Dr. Mark Malone from Advanced Pain Care on how the spinal cord stimulator blocks pain signals, bringing patients relief at last. And we're able to tune this device to mimic that frequency and essentially block it. I've seen people shed tears of joy in the recovery room when they wake up from their light anesthesia and we turn this device on and they realize their back pain is gone. They cry for joy. Advanced Pain Care at 512-244-4272 or austinpaindoctor.com. Live and local, every afternoon, 2 to 4, this is Mark, Melinda, and Ed on News Radio KLBJ. Call or text them at 512-836-0590. It's really beautiful to hear you speak the truth about things. Now, Mark, Melinda, and Ed. Ed, how are you, sir? Mark, I'm doing, doing great. I'm trying to understand what's going on with the weather it, the wind, I understand, and the cool may interfere with my golf tomorrow and Thursday. More news to follow when I get more more information. <laughs> crazy, crazy, crazy. Well, it's a tough life, isn't it, Ed? <laughs> it's tough, Ken. It's tough out there. <laughs> it's not the war in Gaza or Ukraine or border no, security. It's, 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 how I, windy is it going to be at the golf course? How windy is it going to be? Well, we talk about all the serious, serious <laughs> stuff between two and six here, so i got to throw a little levity in there someplace. Yes, we do. Kenny, welcome back. How are you, sir? Thank you. I'm doing great, Mark. And everybody can relax. Melinda's coming back tomorrow. She will be here tomorrow. Tate is producing. Thank you for joining us. NBC News has a story today reporting on how President Biden and his handlers decided it was going to be a great idea for him to go to the border in Brownsville this week. And inside this story, it talks about what happened when Biden met with the governors last week at the White House. He met behind closed doors with the governors, Democrats and Republicans. And it says, based on people who were in the meeting, it was clear that President Biden believes the politics of the border issue have changed in Democrats' favor. I really don't think it has. I would agree on one point that it was a bad look for the Republicans who fashioned a bill with the Democrats on the border and then pulled out at the last minute. Granted, saying that, I think it was a lousy bill that some of the Republicans had put together in the House. Uh, But I don't think it's changed, Mark. I really don't think it's changed. That was not not dramatic enough for the public to say, oh, Biden's right, the Republicans are dropping the ball. It's obvious to clear-thinking Americans. This thing's been going on since day one of his presidency, and he's done very little to change the course of immigration. And just to follow on that, Ed, it's amazing to me that these advisors say they welcome the split screen. They're talking about Trump and Biden both being down there at the same time. They want a split screen. It's going to be three and a half years of migrants streaming across the border, just, you know, thousands, hundreds at a time, And these most recent events of the last few days, and now everybody else is supposed to snap to the Democrats' position? I just don't see it. NBC says uh, sources are also indicating that the Democratic governors in this meeting pressed Mr. Biden and other Biden officials on the topic of the border. Several Democrat governors encourage President Biden issue executive orders even if it brings a legal challenge. Once again, too little, too late, Yeah, Yeah. Even an executive order to shut down the border is not going to do a heck of a whole lot, and it's not going to help the family of the slain girl in Georgia. It's not going to help other people who've 
suffered. It's not going to help the major cities in our country who suffered financially. It's a little late to me. Granted, I would welcome that by the president, but that wouldn't propel many people, I think, to go vote for him in no, in November. That would be the other part of the split screen is showing the busloads of people getting off in, in New York City, Chicago, Denver, and then some clips of their mayors or the governors saying how we're, we're ripping at the seams. We can't handle the, the social costs that this is costing us here. All right, 512-836-0590. You can call, you can text us. Today is primary day in Michigan. Some of the focus is on the Democrats, where people aligned with the Palestinians are calling on other Democrats to vote uncommitted. Withhold your support from Biden to try to send a message to him to keep backing away from supporting Israel in all of this. I, th- I think... Uh, uh this is a fascinating day for Joe Biden. If there is a huge amount of people that will not uh, that will put the uncommitted on there, this could signal to Democrats around the country, uh-oh, we do have a major problem. Saying that, I was reading the story that they took a recent poll where 75% of Democrats said they would support Joe Biden. It will it will only be a warning, a, a big warning to Democrats around the country if more than 25, 30, 40 percent say uncommitted. Um, that, that's, that will raise a flag to a lot of people. Well, that same poll says 9 percent plan to vote uncommitted. Yeah. And you're saying it needs to be 20 to 25 percent to higher. have a real impact? Or, yeah, or higher. Yeah, maybe, maybe 25 to 30 yeah. percent, Mark. Yeah. So I think this is a lot of bluster on the part of some of the Democrats up there. We know it's a strong Arab-American uh, community biggest in the country and so I, I don't see it being a, a nationwide kind of issue I think it's somewhat contained here if if it goes dramatically in the other way that's big news for sure but it seems to me Trump has got to just try to focus more on the blue-collar workers and, and hope to to pull over some of those union folks to his side that's the way he's gonna win Michigan President Biden said Israel has agreed to halt the war in Gaza during Ramadan if Hamas releases hostages. Israeli officials said the remarks, coupled with Biden's prediction that a ceasefire could be reached by this coming Monday, took them by surprise. The president's remarks were also met with skepticism from other countries involved in negotiations. That's Qatar and Egypt also said we're surprised that he's saying this. Well, what is today in Michigan? It's election day, and he's trying to. He's trying to. Yeah, this is this is Netanyahu's war, and he is gumming up the works with these negotiators when he makes his statements like this. I, I think that's what's happening again. Netanyahu runs that war over there for Israel. The president can say, "I wish they would stop this. I wish they would do that," but he can't just unilaterally say that, oh, they're going to stop during Ramadan if they'd get the hostages out. Although that's essentially what he did, right? TV diplomacy on the Seth Meyers show last night. And as you mentioned, Mark, in the article, it talks about virtually everybody over there involved, all the other stakeholders said, hey, wait a minute, what are you talking about? We haven't heard anything about this. Anybody who's followed any kind of negotiations with these groups over the many years, the many decades and that, the back and forth, the give and take, it's tedious, it's painful. They never, they grudgingly give up any ground. And so we're just kind of seeing all of that. And yet, to Ed's point, for political purposes, the president's trying to get ahead of that. Uh, Sources indicate that Hamas would release 40 hostages in return 
Israel would release hundreds of Palestinians, yeah. Yeah. and the fighting would halt during Ramadan, which begins on March 10th. There again, that's the hope. You know, Ramadan is always that magical time of the year over there when they always try to dial it back and, and try to uh, see if they can get along for just a brief amount of time. Uh, it, it really seems like wishful thinking when you continue to hear the rhetoric of Netanyahu. He seems determined he's going to continue to press forward regardless of what happens. Do you agree with Ed's point that Biden said this to try to gain votes in Michigan? Absolutely. Absolutely. Get a few headlines and just uh, posturing, just uh, try to uh, see if maybe get the word out on the street. Well, you know, the president last night said blah, blah, blah. So maybe we should change our thinking here. Here are the numbers, 512-836-0590. You can call, you can text to join the conversation. Yeah, I just think it's it's very sad that the president, he puts he puts our allies, Israel, in a terrible position, too, by making these statements that are unsubstantiated, un, not, not truthful, that his wish is to make it sound like that that's really going to happen. Well, even Hamas came out, too, after the, the president was talking on TV last night. I saw some reports earlier today, and they said, we don't know what he's talking about. They hadn't agreed to any of that stuff. All right, Sam is in Cedar Park with Mark, Ed, and Kenny Romeyer. Sam, good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Um, I wanted to uh, ask, you know, we, we need to ask where the borders are is uh, in this matter, right? Shouldn't the borders are be up front and center resolving this issue? Um, and she's the one who told all the migrants, do not come. And then she said it twice to emphasize so uh, people don't listen to these people. They use the incentives that are provided to motivate them to come. You're going to get free health care in California and have a new baby that's a new American citizen, goes on a media federal grant for child support. You're going to come. You know, if you can get housed in New York and fed or given money, you're going to come. Yeah, Joe Biden said you should come. My sense is the president's advisors realize if they want to try to put any positive spin on the immigration strategy going forward between now and the election to keep the vice president as far away from that as possible. She had zero value to that conversation or trying to convey it, that it, message. It, it was ridiculous, me. Sam, what she did when she went to Central America to try to find out the root cause of immigration. Duh. Well, Duh, you know, woman. With, with, with re, well, with regards to that point, Ed, I mean, that, that is a legitimate point. Um, you know, uh, what's his name? Bernie Sanders was, was one of the candidates who said, with regards to the immigration problem, the problem is what's going on in the other country and the, and the reason that those people want to flee that country. Like, let's put those other countries on the spotlight saying, hey, you know, what's going on over there where all your people want to leave here, you know? Uh, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, so that is a legitimate question. Well, well, I, I think it's a legitimate a, question, sir, but it's an obvious answer. They want a better way of life, and in some cases, they are escaping bad regimes. But that doesn't mean uh, that Joe can just have the green light on. That that doesn't. That's not the American way. We have legal immigration. Sam, thank you. Five one two eight three six zero five ninety two twelve at KLBJ. Mark, Melinda, and Ed are on your radio at 99.7 FM or 590 AM. And you can stream the show live on your digital device via the free news radio KLBJ app. 
House Speaker Johnson and Senate Leader Schumer both say they're optimistic they can reach a deal on funding the government. They made those comments after meeting at the White House with President Biden. He had invited uh, Speaker Johnson, McConnell, Schumer, and Mr. Jeffries from the House to meet with the president to talk about these spending deadlines. They're looking at a partial government shutdown this Saturday at 12.01 a.m. At issue here are four big areas of government spending, veterans affairs, transportation, agriculture, and energy. Then on March 8th, eight other big spending bills have to be approved by that deadline, or we could have a partial federal government shutdown. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm glad they I'm glad they met, and uh, uh, Johnson is doing what he has to do. It is a give-and-take situation, uh, and it's going to be give-and-take from both Republicans and Democrats. We don't need to have a government shutdown, but I do think uh, Speaker Johnson can play hardball on some issues that are near and dear to Republicans, and I think most notably you know, something about the border. And I, I, I find this encouraging, Mark. I'm not in the camp of let's shut her all down. I'm not in that camp because there's too many important things, as you mentioned, veterans affairs and other things that are important to the American people. It's uh, It was an hour-long meeting. The, the king of demagoguery, Schumer, said in the most <laughs> intense discussion I've ever encountered in many meetings in the Oval Office. I, I, I'm not convinced by that. I don't know what that means. I do know that Speaker Johnson has some very hardcore conservatives in the Freedom Caucus that are looking for cuts in the Green New Deal. They're looking for cuts in these DEI programs. They're they're not real uh, real amped up about providing more money to Ukraine and that. So, as I said yesterday, I think Johnson's challenge is to try to thread the needle. Is he going to get enough Republicans to cut a deal? Is he going to have to really bend over and get the Democrats to help him push something across the finish line. The Wall Street Journal says there are two particular sticking points right now in all of these negotiations. One is the Democrats want an additional $1 billion for a welfare program. Mm -hmm. It's called Women, Infants, and Children, WIC. Mm -hmm. They want an additional $1 billion to bring that to $7 billion in this next budget. Uh, Republicans would like to see that number hold steady or go down. Here's the other thing that's an obstacle. Democrats want the Veterans Administration to start reporting the names of U.S. military veterans who need help managing their benefits to a national background gun check system. Oh, boy. To screen gun purchases. Democrats want that. Republicans are standing against that. And, and these are two of the key sticking points right now on all of these bills. It's hard to imagine that a billion dollars is a sticking point when we're talking about the, the trillions of dollars that this government throws around so regularly. That's, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. On, the, on the background checks and that, anything related to that and guns, I, I mean, even for the vets or whatever, I can see where that's a non-starter for a lot of Republicans. Well, sure, it's a non-starter because you don't want that database tied to the vets and guns. And the other one, the... The WIC deal, Republicans have already approved $6 billion for the program, $6 billion, and the Dems want more. I thought Bidenomics was working. I thought happy days were here again. On this VA issue, what is it about a veteran who says, I need some help managing my benefits that triggers Democrats to think that person does not need a gun? There's no correlation of that at all, Mark. None. I, I, you know, I'm trying to think of the uh, the vet that shot up the church, right? right. I mean, there, 
they're just they're going to look for any way to get the nose under the tent to try to see if they can get some kind of national database going. I mean, I, that's my take on it. They're just going to look for any angle to try to to, to just begin to, to get traction on that issue. 512-836-0590. State Attorney General Ken Paxton says a bar in San Antonio is breaking state law. It been, it's been prohibiting police officers who are off-duty from carrying a gun into the bar. Paxton says this has happened two different times. The first time was in 2022. He contacted the bar owner. They said it won't happen again, but it has happened again, and now he is in court seeking damages from the Lucky Duck Bar in San Antonio and a court order that they will not block off-duty officers from carrying a weapon into the bar. Yeah, I don't get this because they claim they've never had issues. Now, I don't mm-hmm. know if that's with with uniformed officers. That may be the, the distinction here. But I, I think it's a politically smooth move on the part of Paxton, right, to take this kind of position. And, oh, by the way, that's the law. So it sounds like he's on solid ground to pursue this with them. As and much as, yeah. And I, it's not right if they don't let an off-duty officer who's authorized to carry to come in their premises with that weapon. I, I think you're exactly right. As much as I don't like Penn Paxton, I think he's got the law behind him. And if they have a history of not allowing the cops in or restricting, yeah, every right in the world to file the suit. The owners of the Lucky Dog said they haven't seen the suit yet, but it is kind of scratching my head if he's already been to them one time and said, hey, here's the law. you got to follow the law, and they're still not following the law. San Antonio police officer Joel Zuleka was barred from carrying his weapon into the bar. Zuleka went so far as to show the bar staff the section of the Texas Code of Criminal Procedure that says establishments serving the public may not prohibit a peace officer or special investigator from carrying an authorized weapon on the premises. Even with that, they would not allow him to carry his weapon into the bar. Well, they're in the wrong. I can understand a, a staffer is, is probably not going to do something that he thinks is against the manager's wishes. So they're in the wrong. Uh, the officer was fully entitled to show him what the law was, try to educate him, but obviously that didn't move the needle here. So Here's the second example. Paxton says the Lucky Duck Bar in San Antonio denied entry to Jordanton Police Chief Eric Kaiser. He was carrying his authorized weapon into the bar on New Year's Eve. He was there with his wife and another couple. They would not allow them in, and they told him, you are forfeiting the $300 you prepaid for your reservation. So, Ed, you got to wonder what kind of woke mindset is going on here. I don't know. I I just don't know. A a paying customer, wouldn't they welcome the 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 uniformed or or the uh, even off duty officers having them on the presence on a New Year's Eve no less just in case maybe something bad happens you would sure think so why not there's nothing wrong if they are a licensed peace officer and that's the law from carrying a gun and then to say by the way you're going to forfeit your money mm-hmm. what the heck how how anti cop can you be this story in the San Antonio Express News does not indicate how the bar staff knew these two law enforcement officers were carrying. They don't address that. That would be helpful, obviously, but but again, it sounds like the law says if they're licensed to carry and they're police officer on duty or off duty, that's the law, mm-hmm. yeah. period. It's black and white, Ken, to me. It's the law. 
whether you don't like guns or like guns, that is the law. The state attorney general is seeking a monetary fine against the bar and a court order blocking them from denying entry to any law enforcement officer who is off-duty and legally authorized to be carrying. Okay, well, you would think a court order would, would surely fix the problem, and then a monetary fine just kind of two before upside the head to say, hey, <laughs> you got to get with the program yeah. here. Here are the numbers, 512-836-0590. Join us, Mark, Kenny, and Ed, 226 at KLBJ. Enjoy the podcasts of Mark, Melinda, and Ed at your convenience. You'll find them on NewsRadioKLBJ.com. 231, thank you for joining us. Kenny is here today. Melinda returns tomorrow. Tate is producing. For the first time in years, immigration is the most serious problem facing America. That's according to the brand new Gallup poll out today. They talked with Democrats, independents, and Republicans nationwide. This polling was done this month. 28% say immigration is the most serious problem facing our country right now. That's a bigger percentage than our own government, our economy, or inflation, according to Americans. That is, <clears throat> it's not surprising to me with what's going on in our country, but it is so unbelievable to me with the struggles with the economy we've had and inflation that now immigration is surpassing as the number one issue because I've always thought when voters go to the polls in November, it's about uh, your, you know, your wallet, your wallet, your wallet. But now it looks like it's going to be immigration, which I'm glad this is the forefront of people. It, it is a disaster on the border. For our audience, this is PEO, painful elaboration on the obvious. This audience has been clued in to this issue ever since you all have been talking about it almost daily. What's discouraging for me, Mark, is the the vast number of Americans are obviously clueless. Where have they been? How has this not been front and center in their minds over these last few years? Maybe because they haven't seen the busloads of, of migrants getting off in their cities and taking their dollars locally from the welfare system. Or maybe they're just now seeing some of the footage because some of the media is finally starting to cover the streams of illegals coming across the border on a daily basis. Maybe they're just now starting to finally pay attention. It's kind of discouraging on that front. Gallup says this is the highest percentage of Americans who say immigration is the most serious problem in 43 years of polling on this question. Mm. The most serious problem is immigration. Now, it's only been ranked number one four other times in all the years since 1981. And they say it usually coincides with big waves of illegal immigrants coming toward the country. A separate question in the Gallup survey says they find a record high 55% of U.S. adults say that large numbers of immigrants entering the United States illegally is a critical threat to U.S. vital interests. Well, I think that's vastly important when we get to election time and the future of Joe Biden as president because it has been at his feet since day one. And this is resonating with Democrats and Republicans and independents. It's not just a one-party issue anymore. Way more so, though, for Republicans and independents. To me, it's incredibly discouraging. Very low numbers, really, yes. for the Democrats saying that it's a priority. Yeah, very low and numbers. It's like, where are you all? What, what are you thinking about these days? Yeah, they break it down. Uh, 84% of, well, I'm sorry, 90% of Republicans believe it is a critical threat to our vital interests. 54% of independents say that. 
For Democrats, 29%. Look at that. Mm. Yeah. Only 29%. I mean, that, that means 70% say it's not a critical issue. It's not a national security issue. It's not a strain on our on our safety net, on our welfare system. Following and, and in line the with the president and his views. Not to mention just the individual safety of a young gal running around the University of Georgia. Yeah, right. Chuck Schumer, the leader of the Senate, leader of the Democrats in the Senate, spoke at the White House after a meeting with the president today. And the topic of the border and immigration came up when Schumer was speaking with the media. There's a logic to solving the border. We want to solve it. But we have to, but we have to do Ukraine right now because there's an await with that can get done quickly because that has broad bipartisan consensus and the border takes some more work, which we'll be happy to work on to get it done. No. But not hold up the Ukraine bill for it. No, Senator, you're full mad. of it. You don't want to yeah. you don't want to solve it. You and the seventy percent of those you represent on the Democrat side don't want to solve it, and you haven't for the last three and a half years. And he was asked about immigration and the border, and what does he go to first? He goes to Ukraine. I agree, it's an important issue, but the question was about the border. How are you going to deal with the border? And he uh, did the end around and starts talking about Ukraine. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick was on Fox today talking about this issue. He says the president has the power today via executive orders to shut down the border. He can so, shut this border down. He already said, by the way, in that terrible Senate bill, once we get to 5,000, we can close it. If you can close it at 5,000, you can close it at zero. We've already proven at the state park where they were three to 4,000 crossing a day in December. We got it down to 10 a day. It can be done. It can be done like that. It's up to the president to do it. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, about an hour ago on Fox, 512-836-0590. Rich is with us at 236 on KLBJ. Good afternoon, Rich. Uh, good afternoon, guys. Hope everybody's doing okay. Yes, um, sir. Welcome. I, I was just going to mention, because we're talking about getting hit in the pocketbook, well, uh, the illegal immigration is costing us our pocketbook. I mean, think what that's adding to it. So, I mean, no wonder it surpassed the pocketbook issue. No, it's, you're right. It there's, there's quantifiable costs in the amounts of money that we're doling out to uh, to the migrants for, for cell phones and food and everything else. And then there's those costs that we have yet to see, the, the, the crime element that we're starting to see, and, and all the things that follow that, that have yet been realized in our economy and in our uh, society overall. It's and they're all pocketbook issues. Rich, all uh, Rich yeah. we talked about how uh, President Biden reportedly believes that he now has the momentum, politically speaking, in public perception, that the public is siding with him on these border issues rather than with Republicans. What do you think about that? I I don't know where he's getting his numbers, but we it's you guys have also you showed in, in, in pro, all your all your programming that hey this is what these people are saying and they're Democrats and this is what these people are saying and they're Hispanic. Uh, Mr. Biden, I don't know where you're getting your information, but it doesn't look good to to me and I think a whole lot of other people think that way. Rich, thank you. Have a good afternoon, sir. Yes, Kenny? I think the handlers just realize they are so far behind the curve on this thing. They have no choice but to try to put the positive spin on it. Even Dr. Phil, for guys' yeah, sakes, is yeah. making the rounds now on The View on Jesse Waters' show last night. Well, where's that guy been? Right, He's talking to old ladies in the middle of the afternoon. I get that. But just back to the mainstream element of our society, they just have not 
paid any attention to this issue until as of late. Bruce is calling from North Austin on KLBJ. Good afternoon, Bruce. Hey, guys. How are you? Fine, Bruce. Welcome. Um, I just wanted to say, uh, you know, we all know when the Democrats are pushing something so hard, there's got to be some sort of agenda behind it, right? Uh, I just learned that in this Ukraine funding bill, there's an, a secret hidden impeachment clause to, to be used against Trump. And so that's why they're trying to push this so hard. And that's why Trump was telling everyone, do not agree to this bill. Are you referring to uh, Senator J.D. Vance and his theory? Uh, I didn't hear. I didn't hear his theory. I do like him a lot, though. What, what did he say? Well, he said that inside this bill, uh, it specifies that the funding expires in September of 2025, and he says uh, they're putting that in there to set an impeachment trap for Trump. I don't uh, subscribe to that. I, I'm. I don't agree with his thinking on that. I, I want to see an end to the funding. Uh, it should not be ongoing without end. There should be an end to the funding sure. to any of these countries. But I, I think that's that's the narrative that's been out there that I think the caller is referring to. Yeah. Yes, yes. Bruce, thank you. Have a good afternoon. 512-836-0590. Here's more from Senator Chuck Schumer at the White House a short time ago. The fact is in the House... For just about given the 30 hard right and transigent people, the only way Johnson can get anything done is with Democrats. And I've said to him, even from my first call with him, the only way we get things done here is in a bipartisan way. Well, it's not the only it's, way because the willing accomplices in the media, we have evidence of that even in the Washington Post today. It's the narrative that we're sure to see more of Washington Post today about the economy doing well. Immigration is the big reason. The leftist economist Paul Krugman had a very similar article in the New York Times mm -hmm. earlier this month. He started to lead the charge about how the economy is doing so much better and we have the immigration issue to thank for it. So so you're going to see a whole lot more of that in the days ahead. Yeah, that's that was the lead story in the Washington Post today. The uh, 7 million to 8 million illegal immigrants released into the country are the reason why the yeah. economy is doing so well, according to Biden and the Washington Post. So there you go. So it's it's a two. It's an issue. That was that's the, that was a game plan. The, the wagons are circling here. Yeah. 512-836-0590. You can call. You can text us. 241. Mark, Kenny and Ed on KLBJ. Mark, Melinda, and Ed are on your radio at 99.7 FM or 590 AM. Now, here are Mark, Melinda, and Ed. 246, hope you're having a great afternoon. Tate is here producing, and David is with us from North Austin. Hello, David. How are you? Hey, good uh, Good afternoon, um, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Mark, Melinda, and I just hopped on the radio and, uh, and listened to the interesting topic you were discussing about the immigration and the economy. Um, I called back a couple of weeks ago, and I actually said that exact thing, that Biden's numbers are going to always be fluffed for the mass immigration that has come to this country. Um, but And then another thing clicked on me, and uh, I kind of want to say it um, and let you all know, and the, the listeners, so they are aware, um, that most of us in this country, it's, we are in a consumer-based society, and most of us have 401Ks, and everybody should have a 401K. 
um, so we can retire and, and be well off. Um, now, I believe that it's actually, a, a, I'm not against, I'm against illegal immigration, all for legal migration to this country, um, but think about the amount of money that people are going to consume coming into this country and the wealth that we could accumulate and retire early um, if we're invested in, in you know, just the S&P 500 or whatever your, your mutual fund or your, um, that you're invested in. But, yeah, just think about that fact that the more people we come, the more well-off we'll be. And this shit, we'll, excuse me, excuse my language, we'll be able to retire a whole lot earlier than work until 65. So it, it's one of the only positive things I've kind of put that, that uh, migration um, is going to benefit us. All right. Uh, thank you for the call, David. Have a good afternoon. We appreciate it. What do you think, Ed, about his point that the the one positive thing he sees in this flood of illegal immigrants is it will boost our economy? Well, it's it's filling some jobs, some low paying jobs. We know that. I'm not sure how much it will boost the economy when we have evidence that cities and states are now giving away taxpayer money to these illegals. And they have to be, they have to be legal before they can get a job. It's a process, Un- unless Biden announces or someone announces, you know, Ali Ali oxen free, everybody becomes a citizen. I know where you're going because the economy, the stock market is up, uh, unemployment is low, but I think there are pitfalls with these folks coming in illegally and the cost of our cities. I, I don't. I'm not sure I see the entire correlation of this, sir. A lot of people are not in the stock market, so let's start with that. But beyond that, I will just suggest, I know we've seen some studies in that that say, well, how critical immigrants are to our economy. I get that to a certain extent. However, I'm going to suggest those models are going to need to be reworked. I would like to see the numbers now that we've had millions more come into the mix that Clearly, they're not all working at this point. Could we agree on that? Yeah. All the all the eight, nine, some million that have come over the last three years, they're they're not all contributing to society at this point. They're not supposed to be working. They are a very tiny percentage have received work authorization. So they are they are a drain on our resources. Ask the the mayor of Denver, Chicago. the mayor of New York City, or better yet, to the people who are supposed to be getting those precious few dollars on the welfare system who are not getting those now because they're being redirected. So I just say you're going to have to rework the financial models to see are they really contributing that much mm-hmm. to the as as the caller thinks they might be. I'm not buying it. What would you put into that financial model? Just maybe one, two, three. Give me three quick factors. Well, I'm just, when you're trying to assess their net effect on the economy. The main thing is you just got to update the sheer volume, uh, the the numbers, the millions of people that are now on the take relative to those who are actually working and contributing to the economy. I'm just saying those two numbers alone, I think, would give you a different outcome. 512-836-0590, Beverly Hills Middle School has a major problem with students using artificial intelligence to circulate nude photos of classmates. They're now trying to figure out who is behind all of this. It has created a very, very trying situation for this middle school. And this story says this is not the only middle school or high school in America where this is happening. Someone is taking real photos of classmates 
and superimposing the faces of students onto AI-generated nude bodies. And then they're sharing them on social media. And it's causing chaos at these schools. You know, this happened with Taylor Swift, the singer, when the same thing happened when they were being circulated, superimposing nude bodies. This is terrible. This is a middle school, for goodness sakes. A middle school. But the technology is there. The wherewithal is there by these these kids, and they're putting it out. They've, they've got to have big-time discipline. They've got to have rules. I know they're looking to the to the state government and the local government to do something about this, but it's going to be around. It's not going to end anytime soon. This is a classic example of how the technology is always ahead of the laws and the rules and the regulations to keep up with it. And sadly, this is a very insidious example. Number one, you got to have parents policing what's going on. We know that that's not happening nearly as much as it should. You're going to have to then say, okay, if the parents are not going to be able to do it, we're going to have to have laws to punish the abuse and the misuse of the tools because in this article they talk about going after the companies, being held accountable for the products. The basic elements of the tools are there. If they're being misused or abused in the wrong way, you can't fault the company for that. Here is Evelyn Kruger at this middle school in Beverly Hills, California. Girls are being called out one by one, and there's always that fear, like, am I going to be next? Am I going to be called in? Sure, it might be animated. Sure, a lot of them may look unrealistic, but there are a couple that look real. So uh, this is occurring, according to the story, in various states around America. It's not isolated to this one particular instance. Uh, Nor is it isolated to just just one kind of company, whatever tool or product they're using. So if they're going to think they're going to go after the companies for this, they might as well get a whole new division for the Federal Trade Commission or whatever government agency that's going to try to go around and police these AI companies because it is spreading like wildfire. You've got to go after the individual. You've got to go the individual. Ray is calling from Pflugerville at 253. Mark, Kenny, and Ed. Good afternoon, Ray. How are you? Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to add uh, to the what your discussion was with David as far as the model. They definitely have to be adjusted. Uh, if you stop and think, just the amount, sheer amount of people that are coming in here in a short amount of time. Plus, the fact is that if they're working... They're not all going to be bringing that money back into our economy because they're going to, a lot of them are going to be sending it back home. Also, if you stop and consider the fact that they are here without the job, a lot of them also are working with um, fictitious Social Security, you know, illegally. You know, they're circumventing the system of not supposed to be working. And so that money, who knows where it goes? They are paying taxes, but who's benefiting from it? Because I've seen cases where... <laughs> Many people have the same social security number, and that's that's a fact. I mean, I know I know that for a fact. Then also, if you talk about educational system, we're already behind the the eight ball. But yet, when individuals, legal or illegal, are coming to our system, schools cannot ask them if they're legally here or not, and they just take in all those children. And I'm telling you, I just retired from 19 years as a teacher. It overburdens teachers and resources, and it puts those kids in a situation where it's really not fair for them because they're being placed into our system where they have no concept of English, they don't know our culture, and there's no one there to help them and guide them. All right, Ray, thanks so much. Have a good afternoon. There's much more to cover. We're here with you all the way to 6 o'clock. Mark, Kenny, and Ed, the news is next on KLBJ.
Dr. Mark Malone from Advanced Pain Care on how the spinal cord stimulator blocks pain signals, bringing patients relief at last. And we're able to tune this device to mimic that frequency and essentially block it. I've seen people shed tears of joy in the recovery room when they wake up from their light anesthesia and we turn this device on and they realize their back pain is gone. They cry for joy. Advanced Pain Care at 512-244-4272 or austinpaindoctor.com.